celebrity among us today. Uh, well, you're all celebrities. You're all important. But we have uh, a young man sitting back there who was probably going to get real embarrassed, but I don't care. I'm going to do it anyhow. He sings in the chorus in his, uh, in his group, his choral group, Vincent. Stand up, Vincent. They took fourth place in state of singing. Good job. Hey, when you get a chance, give Steve Rubenberg some lessons, would you please? He's going to come back and sit by you. Maybe some of them will rub off. Amen. Well, that's quite an accomplishment. Congratulations. Amen. Uh, the uh, nursery's open. The pantry, you know, that goes on every week. Uh, if you'd like to uh, be of use to that or help, you can see Patricia Moore or Dan and Karen Boo. And um, on April 7th, we have our annual business meeting, and uh, we'll be selecting uh, one deacon. Uh, the candidates are Lynn Broyer and Harold Vogel, and you'll be voting uh, right after church on the 7th. So make sure you're all here, and uh, we'll take care of the church business. Amen? Amen. Um, Hallelujah. Continue to pray for Darlene. She's had a little bout with the flu here for the last five, six days, and she's going to be fine. She tried to get ready this morning. She's just a little bit shaky. So today's the last day of her medicine, and uh, she'll be back at it. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's go to the Word today. Ha, ha, ha. First Samuel, chapter 4, Well, how many of you know that there's nothing more important than the glory? There's nothing more important than the glory. Where's the glory come from? It comes from the Lord. May the glory of the Lord be upon you. The glory of the Lord is an important thing. All through the Old Testament, when God would show up with his glory, it was quite an event. And we have the opportunity every time we come into God's house, in our homes, and the things that we do, to have the glory of God with us. He, his glory protects us. His glory will lead us. And his glory will make us whole and clean and useful in the kingdom of God. Sometimes we as individuals, as humans, we get things in the way of the glory. Because God wants to pour out his spirit on all flesh. According to Joel chapter 2, he wants to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. How much flesh we got out there? Good flesh. We're all flesh and bone, but there's something that separates us as believers, and that's the glory of God. We're promised to walk in His glory. <clears throat> Sometimes things get in the way, as they did in the history of God's people. They were God's people, but they let things get in the way that caused them not to get everything that God had 
intended for them. He had shown himself in a mighty way when he parted the Red Sea and they walked across on dry land and Pharaoh's army was defeated. And the glory of God, you know, Moses stood there with that rod and he said, stand still and see what? The glory, the salvation of the Lord because he's going to distribute that among you. So the glory of the Lord is very important. And all through the Old Testament, the glory of the Lord would come upon the prophets and those, and they would speak a word from God. But in 1 Samuel chapter 4, the Jews were always fighting with the Philistines. The Philistines were real people. They lived in the area of Philistia, which is Ashdod now down on the coast of Israel, right before you get down to Gaza. And they were a constant threat to Israel because they were not only were they evil they were big evil they were big big people a big problem so the Israelites had the God of heaven supporting them and where did the glory of God rest in first Samuel what was where was the glory of God upon what who knows it was on the it was on the ark of the covenant and the Ark of the Covenant was a symbol of God's glory. I think it's a glorious thing today that we have a God that has made covenant with us, that he will never leave us nor forsake us. He's a covenant God, and we've been studying about covenant, and he never breaks it. We can break it, but he won't. But sometimes we get things in the way that take our eyes off the most important thing, and the most important thing is the glory of God. So in, in 1 Samuel chapter 4, and verse 10, in the New Living Translation, I want to go there. I'm going to show you and myself today how important the glory is. The Philistines fought desperately, and Israel was defeated again. We all know the story of Jericho and how as long as they depended on God and trusted in Him and obeyed His commands, they were victorious. But when they started turning away from the way of God that they knew was right, they started losing battles. Like many of us, sometimes we lose battles because we don't place our trust and our hope in the right place. And when that happens, we experience some defeats sometimes. Anybody know what I'm talking about, about experiencing defeats? So the Philistines fought desperately, and Israel was defeated again, and the slaughter was great. 30,000 soldiers died that day, and the, and the survivors turned and fled to their tents. Now, that's not the way... God intended for things to go, and that's not the way He intends for things to go in our life. The Bible says that we're more, more than conquerors today. So what's the secret to that? That's finding the heart of God like David is going to do later on, finding God's heart and finding God's glory and sticking with the glory. The glory is important. Verse 12, well, well, let's go back. Verse 11, it says the ark of God was captured and Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were killed. We're going to keep going. A man from the tribe of Benjamin ran from the battlefield and arrived at Shiloh later that same day. He had torn his clothes and put dust on his head to show his grief. Eli was waiting beside the road to hear the news of the battle. For his heart trembled for the safety of the ark of God. When we're in worship with the Lord, sometimes our hearts just tremble because the glory of God, the ark of God represented the glory, and Eli was overcome with sorrow because 
They had lost the ark of the Lord, the thing that represented his glory. How many of you remember from our teaching what was in the ark? Tell me one thing. Manna? Aaron's rod? And the commandments? The tablets of stone? And what do those things signify? Well, manna signifies what God did in the wilderness when they were in the desert, his provision. That speaks of God's provision. I'm convinced today that God will provide for his people, even though we go through trials and even though sometimes we put things between us and God, he is the God of provision. Say that. He's the God of provision today. He will provide all my needs according to his riches and glory. And he will provide all your needs according to his riches and glory. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. <clears throat> and all these things shall be added unto you. I pray, brethren, above all things, that you might prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. My soul prospers when I'm in the glory. When I sense God's glory around me. Eli was waiting. I'm going to try to get through this. He was concerned about the glory of God, the ark of God. And when the messenger arrived and told what had happened, an outcry resounded throughout the town. What is all this noise about, Eli asked. And the messenger rushed over to Eli, who was 98 and blind. And he said to Eli, I have just come from the battlefield. I was there this very day. What happened, my son, Eli demanded. Israel has been defeated by the Philistines, the messenger replied. The people have been slaughtered, and your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were also killed. And the ark of God has been captured. This is how important the glory is and God's favor and staying close to the glory. Look what happens. When the, messenger when the messenger mentioned what had happened to the ark of God, the glory of God, Eli fell backward from his seat beside the gate. He broke his neck and died for he was old and overweight and he had been Israel's judge for 40 years. So when he heard that his sons had been slain, see, they lost a battle. They lost something that they never had to lose. And what they lost was so important to him that he fell over, and that was the end of him. That's the importance of keeping the glory in our lives. Verse 19 said, Eli's daughter-in-law, the wife of Phinehas, was pregnant and near her time of delivery. When she heard that the ark of God had been captured and that her father-in-law and husband were dead, she went into labor and gave birth. She died in childbirth. But before she passed away, the midwives tried to encourage her. Don't be afraid, they said. You have a baby boy. In verse 21, she named the child Ichabod, which means, where is the glory? Where is the glory? What represents the glory in our life? How important is the glory to us? They said, don't worry, you've had a son. That was an earthly thing. It was a blessing. But at the same time, what was most important to her is that the glory of God was not, the ark had been taken, so she, she longed for the glory of God. And churches need to long for the glory of God to be revealed. Amen? We need to petition God to show his glory. Let's go on. She named the child Ichabod. Now let's go to chapter 5. After the Philistines captured the ark of God, they took it from the battleground of Ebenezer to a town of Ashdod. They carried the ark of God into the temple of Dagon and placed it beside an idol of Dagon. Now, back in those days, they had a lot of idols. 
They would worship just about anything. Well, guess what? In today's world, man and woman will worship just about anything. And, but this is so impressive to me because they took the ark of God, which represented God's glory, and they moved it into one of their temples, the temple of Dagon, and placed it beside an idol. But when the citizens of Ashdod went to see it the next morning, Dagon had fallen with his face to the ground in front of the ark of God. In other words, what they had tried to do was diminish our God. How great is our God? They tried to diminish and bring him down on a par with one of their pagan gods. And God says, you talk about glory. He said he'll not share his glory with anyone. So when we got things in our life and we try to bring God down to the level of whatever, whatever we're worshiping or whatever's getting between us and God or whatever's stealing the glory, God will never be placed beside another thing in this earth. He said, you must worship me. I'm the one true God. And I'll have no other gods before me. And this is such a great illustration because they come in the temple. Oh, can you imagine how proud they felt when they captured the power of Israel? The enemy, he wants to strut his stuff if he thinks he's captured some of, of our power. But listen, we got to stay by the glory. And when we stay by the glory, then all that other stuff will fall away. And God will give us victory. The world is continually trying to pull the God of heavens down to their earthly realm. And it's not going to happen. He created all this. I'll have no other gods before me. I'll have no other gods before me. I'll have no other gods before me. Try to set them up. I'll knock them down. Try to set them up. I'll knock them down. I said, try to set them up. He said, I'll knock them down. Try to put me in a temple made that worships an idol, that worships an evil thing, and I'll knock them down every time. I've had problems in my life, so have you. But when we finally realize where our help comes from, he said, I'll look to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord. And when we realize that, then all of a sudden, those things get knocked down. Well, let's go on. Excuse me for coughing. And guess what? The Philistines were bullheaded like many of us. Excuse me. Let me turn this off for just a second and have a good cough. switches and okay so like the Philistines we sometimes too don't get the message loud and clear the Philistines thought that they'd finally won because they'd stolen the glory from Israel so they go in and the statues laying on the ground so they took Dagon and they put him in his place again Kind of like us. We, sometimes it's hard for us to learn the lesson that God's trying to teach us. When he says, I'll have no other gods before me, that's what he means. You shall worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou worship. So they went back in the next morning. I love this. And I love it, I love it, I love it. They went back in the next morning, and the same thing had happened. God says, what's wrong with you Philistines? 
you think you've won the battle. But my glory, where the Ark of the Covenant resides, my provision, my protection, my miracles, try to compete with the miracles of a mighty God. <clears throat> I like this. And Dagon had fallen down before the Ark of the Lord again, but this time his head and hands had been broken off and were laying in the doorway. In other words, God says to that, God says to that evil that's existing in the world today, he said, I'll knock you down, I'll cut your head off, I'll burn your arms off, and I'll throw them out the door. Try to set me on par with, a, with one of these gods that has no arms or legs now. Only the trunk of his body was left intact. Intact, And this is why to this day neither the priest of Dagon nor anyone who enters the temple of Dagon in Ashdod will step over the threshold. Then the Lord's heavy hand struck Ashdod and the nearby villages with a plague of tumors. You know, when God gets upset, he can get real serious about things. Keep in mind that the Philistines thought they had defeated God's people. Some of you might think that you've been defeated. Let's see what happens, though. See, the glory of God needs to be in the right place. This is so good. So they took it to Ashdod, and verse 7 says, When the people realized what was happening, they cried out, We can't keep the ark of God in Israel here any longer. <laughs> He's against us. We will all be destroyed along with Dagon, our God. So they called together the rulers of the Philistine towns and asked, what should we do with the glory of Israel, or the ark of God? And there's going to be a pattern developing here. And what, it, what comes down to is God has made us into vessels fit for the master's use, and we are containers of his glory. But can we handle the glory? Or is it something that bothers us? Look, look at what happens here. It says, what should we do with the glory of Israel? What should we do with the ark of God? And the rulers discuss it and recite, remove it down to Gath. So they moved the ark of God of Israel to Gath, still in Phil Philistia. They thought, well, we'll just put this thing away where we don't have to deal with it. We'll send it down to Gath. That's where uh, Goliath was from, was from Gath. A bunch of giants over there. They thought, well, surely they'll be able to handle it. So they put the ark down there. We'll push it down to Gath. Many times in our life, that's how we are. We won't want to deal with the glory of God. We just want to push it off and say it ain't real. You know, the Holy Spirit's been marginalized in churches nowadays. And if you act like we act sometimes, you're labeled as loonies and people that are crazy. Guess what? Every time that the glory of God fell, something happened. God doesn't display His glory just for the sake of we can say we have goosebumps. God gets things done. And his glory gets things done. And an acknowledgement of his glory gets things done. He's glorious whether we acknowledge it or not. But boy, when, he be when we acknowledge it, he be it becomes even more real and more glorious to us. So they sent it down to Gath. But when the, verse 9, but when the ark arrived at Gath, the Lord's hand fell on its men, young and old, and he struck them with a plague of tumors, and there was a great panic. So they sent the ark of God to the town of Ekron, trying to get rid of the glory, trying to get away from the presence of the Lord. <laughs> 
But when the people of Ecuador saw it coming, they cried out. You know what? We live in a day of, of a lot of people coming to altars but not getting changed. They, they leave unchanged and unrepentant. They leave unchanged and unrepentant. Here's what happened when they sent it Gath. They said, boy, we can't handle this. See, the glory of God is here in this place for us to get our freedom, for us to experience the glory of God. And said, so they said, when the people of Ekron, see, they'd already, Ashdod got rid of it, Gath got rid of it. See, the glory of God needs to end up in the right place, and that's on us. You can't expect the world to respond to the glory of God until they become a vessel. But I love it, and he says, uh, they're bringing the ark of God of Israel here to kill us too. Here's another attitude toward the glory. We can either receive it as something great or we can receive it as a threat. Well, I'll receive it as the greatness of God wanting to shine forth. So here they go. The people called the Philistine rulers again and begged them, please send the ark of God of Israel back to its own country or it will kill us all. For the deadly plague from God had already begun, (laughs) and great fear was sweeping across the town. Chapter 6, the ark of the Lord remained in Philistine territory seven months. Then all the Philistines called in their priests and diviners, sorcerers, magicians, and asked them, what should we do about the ark of the Lord? Send the ark of God, uh, send the ark of the God of Israel back with a gift, they were told. Send a gift offering so the plague will stop. Then you are healed. You will know it was the hand of the Lord that caused this plague. So they're trying to pass the glory down. And I don't want to go through every city. But then they go to Bethshemish. They send it down there. And then they go. Here's the cities that they pass the ark through. All in Philistia. Ashdod, Gaza, Ashkelon, Gath, and Ekron. And everywhere that they sent the glory of God. God had his way, and the people didn't survive. This is how important the glory is. So finally, they sent it to Kiriath Jerim, and it stayed there for 20 years. You know where the ark was supposed to be in God's temple, in the temple that David had made for it. You know where the glory is supposed to be in us, God's people. We're supposed to be shiners and shores of his glory. So after all that, they finally take it back to Kirith, uh, Verse, chap, go to chapter 7. Chapter 7, verse 1. So the men of Kirith, Jerim, came to get the ark of the Lord, and they took it to the hillside home of Abinadab, and ordained Eleazar, his son, to be in charge of it. The ark remained in kirith for a long time, 20 years in all. And during that, time of Israel, uh, during that time, all of Israel mourned because it seemed the Lord had abandoned them. What's important now is that we realize, and I've tried to show how important the glory of the Lord is in the leading of the Lord. Everywhere that it went, everywhere the glory went, it causes things to happen. That's why we need to embrace the glory. Then they took it and finally got it to Kiriachari, whatever that place is, and it, it stayed there 20 years. And all these things 
happened because Israel put other things before God. And verse 3 is the verse that is really impressive to me. It says, Then Samuel, who was the prophet, said to the people of Israel, If you are really serious, if you're really serious about returning to the Lord, get rid of all your foreign gods and your images of Ashtoreth. How many of you know who Ashtoreth was? Anybody? It is like the 29th highest god in Baal worship. The people of Israel were worshiping idols that were made for Baal and Ashtoreth, who is related to Ishtar and all those Middle Eastern religions. They actually, and they would set up Ashtoreth poles that people would worship at. And imagine God's people worshiping at them pagan altars. And God just said, look, this is what I've done. I'm bringing the ark back to you. I've displayed my glory everywhere as he has has in our life. He said, what more can I do? But if you're really serious about serving God, if you're really serious. And then I thought about the rich young ruler. Back in those days, if you were rich, people paid attention to you. And he had his confrontation or his meeting with the Savior in front of a big crowd, I'm sure, because everywhere Jesus went, he drew a crowd. And the rich young ruler came and in his own glory, in his own power, (coughs) in his own strength, and he said, what must I do? What must I do to inherit? And a lot of people have misinterpreted this about being against riches and not, uh, it's not about that. It's about where do you find the glory in your life? And Jesus said to him, he said, well, you know the commandments. Don't commit adultery. Don't do this. Don't do that. You know what all that is. And in his own glory, in his own power, the rich young ruler said, well, I've kept all this since my youth. In other words, the glory was going to be more directed on him than who it should have been. And Jesus says he knows, and he can put the finger on things in our life that we need to get out of the way between us and him. And in that young man's case, it wasn't that he had money, but it was that money had him. And he was a famous man. He would he even approached Jesus probably in a crowd because he wanted it to be about him. I've kept all the commandments, he said, which is a religious spirit which is still alive in churches today, religious spirits. Jesus said, well, there's one thing you lack. He said, sell all you got, all your possessions, and give it to the poor. And I wrote this down, and in Matthew chapter 19, verse 22, it said, when he heard this, he went away sad. And then in Mark 10, 12, it says, when he heard this, his face fell. And then in Luke 18, 23, it says he went away very sad because he was very rich. See, he was more focused on the things of earth than he was on the glory of God. God, Jesus gave him a chance to live a dream that he never knew was possible. And so he traded glory. How, imagine how that could have worked out. He traded glory for something of earthly substance. 
And that's not against it, what anybody has. But there are things more important than what we can see and feel and touch and smell and hear. There's things more important than that, and that's the glory of God. So he went away sad. So Samuel tells him here, he says, get rid of your foreign gods and your images of Ashtoreth. All through the Old Testament, God would judge kings about what they did with idols. God is serious when we put things between him and, and us. He's real serious about that. That's the first commandment. And these Asherah poles were actually set up, and people would go in the high places and worship at these places. What an insult to God. But he said, if you're really serious, if you're really serious, and I said, God, you know, I just really like to see the glory in my own life. It's not about anybody else. I just see the ark represents the glory, and where the ark was was the glory. It was the glory. It was the glory. So God says, where's the glory in your life? Because in Matthew says, where your treasures are, there will your heart be also. So if your treasure is the glory of God, then you can paraphrase that and say, where the glory is, your heart will be also. But our heart sometimes betrays us. But does anybody understand the glory of God? Sometimes I struggle with it myself. But there's nothing more important. And God said to me last night, he said, if you're serious, if you're serious about this thing, then you li- if you're serious about this thing, then line up where the glory is for your life. For some of you, it might be somewhere else. For some of you, it might be in a mission field. For some of it, it might be changing tactics in your life or the way you approach God. But find yourself where the glory is, because when the glory's there, it'll war against all those things that try to keep you from finding God's will for your life. Find your glory spot. Find the place where God speaks to you. Find the place where you have confidence. Find the place where you, you get into prayer and the, the glory of God just falls and you say, man, I'm all... You know what Job said in his sickness? He said, God cares about me. And he said, I'm overwhelmed with this. It overwhelms me to know that the God of the universe cares for me and wants me to be a carrier of his glory. So God says to me today, he says to each one of you, and this is not negative, but he continually says, if you are serious, then this is what you have to do. Honor me as God. He loves to hear who he is when it comes from our lips. So, God, we just honor you in this place today. We want to see your glory, oh God. I want to see it in lives. I want to see it in my life. We want to be set free from the fear of the Philistines because the Philistines don't have what we have. They can't handle what we have. And only God, only God can fill these vessels and make them vessels fit for the Master's use. Lord, we submit ourselves to your glory today in whatever form. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Laurie, how much do you enjoy doing a glow? You feel the glory? Claudia, when you were in charge of a glow, did you feel the glory of God moving that place? It was tangible, wasn't it? 
for that season, God had you in it, and boy, the glory would fall. You were convinced of it. Just think of the most blessed time in your life. That's a glory spot. You know, God has a habit of visiting old wells. He has a habit of doing that. So wherever the glory finds you, Catherine was in the glory of the Lord today. I don't know what brought it on. That's between her and God. But she was under it. Am I right? You were under it? Amen. When the glory of God falls, it's beneficial for everybody. Her family will be blessed because she accepted the glory of the Lord. The girls prayed with her. That's a blessing to have your kids pray for you. Whether they're told to do it or not, it doesn't matter. They did it. And they've, they felt a kinship there. They felt a glory, a relation, a, a mother with her daughters. There's a glory that's revealed when you honor your parents. God reveals all kinds of glories in our life, and we would just seek them out and put them at the top of our list. When we were singing earlier, and, and Rick was singing about he's perfect in all of his ways, and I thought, what do I compare that to God being? And I thought of my love for my kids and my love for my grandkids. I have a perfect love toward them. There's nothing that they could do that would make me love them any less. That's one area in my life where my love is perfect. No matter what they do, it, I, I love them. It's a perfect expression of love. Yesterday, Hananel had her first soccer game. And if you know Hananel, you know that she can run for like hours. So I went to watch her first soccer game. And as usual, when you're five and six years old, there's one ball and 25 people running around. <laughs> and I got to thinking of just how blessed that I was to be able to go out there and see her just run around that field. And none of them really knew what they were doing. They were just kicking that ball. Half the time it went in the wrong goal. But I just thought, this is the glory of God right here. This is so cool because here she is. You know, she's, and then they, they played quarters, and she had her knee pads on and her cleats and everything. And I thought, my goodness, when I was a kid, we got a stick and a rock. Chris said, we spent about $200. I shouldn't say that. We spent about $200 for her to play soccer. Well, the kid likes it, so bless her. That's your glory, Chris. Run, Ava, that's your glory running around out there. It's a gift of God. And it was so funny because they would play quarters, and she wanted to be on that pitch is what they call it. She wanted to be on the, the soccer field, but they took her out. They took her out so that some of the other kids could play because they had like 12 to 15 on the team. So she comes running over to Chris and gets a drink of water, and she goes back around the field. And instead of going to the bench where she was supposed to be, she ran right back out on the field again. <laughs> and the guy's counting like... She wanted to be on that field so bad that she just ran right out. She said, what did I said to Chris, you ain't taking me out. I'm playing here. And I thought, well, what a great example of the glory of God. She wanted to be there on that field so bad. She didn't care about the rules. She wanted to be out there. She didn't care which way the ball was going. She just wanted to kick it 
And when we just think about God, we're God's children and we're His glory and we're His masterpiece. And when we understand that we are a masterpiece, the best that God has to offer, it gives us validation, it gives us confidence, it gives us peace, and it reveals God's glory through us. Hallelujah. Your offspring are your glory. God treasures him so much that in the Old Testament, remember when the father, the patriarch would die, he would put a blessing on him. And that blessing goes to the third and fourth generation. And I thought how glad I was to be out there yesterday to see God keeping covenant, various things happening. It was a glorious thing. And that's where I want to be. I want to be around the glory of the Lord. Amen. Jeremy, would you come quickly? Hallelujah. Amen. Look at all these handsome fellows here. Except for that one guy. You just have to guess which one it is now. Can we stand today and we're going to speak and decree some things and don't raise your hand, but we all can identify things in our life that need to be gotten rid of. It's a serious matter with God. It won't disqualify us from heaven, but it will sap our strength. It'll kill our witness. So right now, God, we tell you right now in the presence of witnesses that we will not lower you to the gods of this world. We won't try it. There's nothing more important than you, God. There's nothing more important than your glory. There's nothing more important than the revelation that comes from your word because your glory is revealed through your word. We ask you to anoint these people today. Anoint each one of us to be close to the glory, to sense the glory, to be one that says, that's the glory of the Lord. We must pursue it. We must follow after it because there's our salvation. The world can't handle it, but we can, God. And we submit to that. And just as Dagon was left turned over. The cares of this life, the pride of life, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh. We cast them down now in Jesus' name. And we say they will not compete with God in our lives. Because our God is stronger. Our God is greater. Our God is full of power. Our God is full of majesty. He's the sovereign God. And there's none before Him. And He stands glorified in the heavens with all the saints and elders around the throne singing, 
Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And we glorify your name today in this place. We say we want to join with those elders. We want to sense, God, that the crowns that we have in our life come from you. And we cast them before you now. And we want to get serious about who you are, God, in our lives. In Jesus' name.